When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me want to Good evening, everybody. It is Wednesday night, which means 7.30 p.m. Shout a Buffalo football podcast enters your life, whether it is in your living room, on your phone, on your computer. I mean, we're getting ready for the snowstorm here in Western New York, Ryan. Uh, I actually uh, went around to a couple spots before dinner. I went to Dick's. I went to Wegmans. And I went to um, Walmart. I cannot find some sleds. I want to get a couple of sleds for the kids because the ones that we had last year, I think, broke or something. And so I went to a couple of places. I couldn't find any. So if you have an in on where to get some sleds, definitely put it in the comment section. And we are, all, of course, brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store with more. Whether you're celebrating at home or away this weekend, Tops has everything, uh, all your fan favorites, ready to enjoy for football, entertaining, or any, any occasion. Ryan Talbot, how are you, my friend? Hey, I'm doing great. Yeah, you know, I'm a little jealous of the snowstorm. I'm seeing schools getting canceled left and right in Buffalo. And it's one of the perks of being a teacher is you, you still get excited about those snow days. And I look at the forecast in Oli and we have like nothing, nothing coming our way tonight. It's it's a real shame. I don't need to worry about my sleds. But fun fact, Matt, I still have my childhood sh- uh, sled in my shed. It's a t- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one shaped like a turtle shell. Drive it up the snow. I mean, it's going to be a tough drive coming from Olean uh, once the snow starts coming up. But no, we got some family members that I think we could really lean on if we have to. What's funny, too, is we had like a a good sled going there for a little while. I think my wife said she got it at Wegmans at one point. It was like kind of like shaped like this. And then it kind of came in just a little bit and then down. It had like this perfect like aerodynamicness to it. My son, when he got on this thing, man, I'm telling you, he flew down the hills. We had this one hill that's not even that big by my parents' house. We took him over there, and it was just absolutely – he was just blazing. And so now I feel like anything that we get him, it's going to kind of pale in comparison because I don't think it's going to have that kind of like slickness to it. So I'm I'm, kind of bummed out. I got to look online and see if I can find one for for some of the storms coming up. All right. So there there you have it. You know, we're starting off uh, with a bang here, a little, little snow talk. You know, it's kind of a weird week, Ryan. We were talking about it coming into the show. Just it's kind of like a malaise over Bill's Mafia. It's almost like this dreaded, um, you know, last assignment before you get to the finals. Maybe, you know, if, if you're in school, like, you know, the last dreaded like group group work that you have to do before, like if you get to the big test, it's going to, you know, which for the Bills, obviously, is the playoffs. They got to play the Jets this week. We're going to get into previewing that. But it's just like a funny kind of weak here as it's like, yeah, sure. Everybody's ready for Sunday and, 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 you know, Bill's fans are going to be in attendance excited to win the division for the first time in what will be 26 years at home if they pull it off. But it's still kind of like this weird, like looking past Sunday at the playoffs. Cause, cause we're almost there. Yeah. You, you know, clinching a playoff berth last week. I think that plays a role in it. The fact that it's it's the Jets and, you know, I'm not trying to bash the Jets or anything like that. It's just not a very exciting matchup. The whole deal with, uh, you know, the Canadian crowd not being able to come over this year. Tickets going on sale for six to eight dollars on those secondary ticket sites. It's just a really weird week. And you mentioned it. The Bills can win the division back to back years. First time at home clinching the division in, in 20 plus years. But it's just kind of just kind of feels like a blah setup because everyone's looking ahead now that that playoff berth has been clinched. The fact that they were in the championship game one year ago, I just think expectations now the Bills are kind of getting things rolling. 
it's it's easy to look ahead to the playoffs, but there's still a game to be played here on Sunday. We're going to go through the injury report here on Wednesday. The Bills had a walkthrough down at the facility, so not a lot to bring you in terms of uh, practice uh, reports. I know one guy in particular that Bills fans have been asking about since Sunday is Ryan Bates. Uh, he suffered uh, what we've learned was a knee injury. He was limited today in a walkthrough. He left uh, the game uh, on Sunday with a knee injury. And, you know, it's it's funny, Ryan, you get to a point here where the Bills finally land on maybe a five that they can at least try to get a look at over a course of a couple games. And we're right back in the same situation again, potentially with Rick Bates coming out and potentially maybe John Feliciano maybe going back in. Cody Ford could be in the mix as well. But for whatever reason, the Bills just cannot you know, land on a five and stick with a five for multiple games, it seems. Yeah, but the good news here is, Matt, that Ryan uh, that Ryan Rick Bates was limited today. And like you said, walkthrough scenario. But to see him already limited, that's a promising sign. It's encouraging. Uh, arrows probably pointing right now. It seems in the right direction, possibly for Sunday. Uh, and that it's not going to be a long-term injury, at least. So all good news there on that front. And then you mentioned it. I mean, Waiting in the wings, though, is John Feliciano. So at least it's not a, a case of the unknown. Who's going to be coming in? John Feliciano has a lot of starting experience here in Buffalo. Uh, he's a big favorite of Josh Allen. Um, he, he's a guy that t- takes pride in his run blocking. He was trying to get the team to run the ball more last year, was always excited when they did, and they were able to pull off some big runs. So at least the player that that could be inserted into the starting lineup this week, if if Ryan Bates is not good to go, is someone who has a lot of experience that the Bills fans are very familiar with. It could be a lot worse than that. But you're right. I mean, the the big thing that every team wants is to have that O-line gel at the right time. And the, the Bills are coming off of back-to-back games where Josh Allen wasn't sacked. Devin Singletary has been running the ball well. The run game, the lanes are getting open for them. And now Rick Bates, uh, Rick Ryan Bates. I keep going back and forth on both of those two names, the nickname and the real name. I've just decided. Um, I've just decided we're going with Rick. Let's just call him Rick. Rick. Okay. Let's fan, just call it's, him what Rick. The, it's what the people want, and I feel like it's in a lot of ways what he wants. So go with it. Fair enough. Fair enough. So uh, with, with Rick playing so well, I would I would like to have seen him start this Sunday, stay healthy, and then go into the playoffs with that starting five. But we'll have to wait and see on that. We will. Uh, and if you look at the the rest of the injury report, the Bills are pretty clean. I mean, you're going to at this point, you, you're kind of looking at the, the COVID list every day. The Bills uh, don't have anybody on it right now. Uh, so, you know, the surge and the outbreak, uh, you know, that the team dealt with where they were down a bunch of people at one point, I think it went as high as nine players, I believe, at one point. Uh, it's clear right now. Deion Dawkins missed practice today for personal reasons. Now, again, it was a walkthrough. We'll track that throughout the week. Uh, Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison with veteran rest days, as well as Cole Beasley. And then Effie Obata is a new addition to the injury report with an, dealing with an ankle injury. Ed Oliver still listed with the ankle injury. He was limited. Knee injury for Emmanuel Sanders. He didn't practice once again. Uh, no th- nothing changing there. But Obata is like an interesting one. Uh, you know, he's limited, so you know, we'll track that throughout the week. But he's a guy at this point, all of a sudden, Ryan, I feel like Effie Obata, we've landed at a spot with him where he, you can't afford to lose him if you're the Bills. You look down the, you know, the depth chart, and I know that Gregory Rousseau is coming off a massive game, and I want to talk about him a little a little bit in a little while. Uh, you know, I thought Leslie Frazier had some really interesting comments on him. I'm writing about that uh, for tomorrow uh, on Rousseau. But with Obata... You know, the, the snap count wasn't there against uh, the Falcons. I wonder how maybe if he had suffered the injury during the game and if that maybe limited him uh, later on as the game went on. But he's a guy that I think over the course of the last eight to ten weeks, he's probably been your most consistent pass rusher. You mentioned the, the snap count and all that, but I just saw Elliot in the chat. Elliot, always a, a constant uh, listener to the, to the Shout podcast. He mentioned the mic'd up segment that Obata did this past weekend. When he was in there, the the first I, f- I feel like the video was from the first series of the game. Obata had two snaps where he broke right past that offensive line and was in the backfield, and he didn't make the play on either of the two plays that he was there. But he was showing just in those two reps how good he is and how uh, how great he's been over the last month for this team. So maybe the injury did take place, like you said, and that's why he was a little bit limited. They had five sacks last week, four coming on the D-line, none from Obata. But you're right. He's someone that we want to see out there, give him those reps, someone that you can kick inside still. Uh, if you want to have your best four out there in terms of pass rushers on a scenario where you feel like it's an obvious passing down, 
he brings a lot to this team. And, and it's not a surprise because we've talked about this before, Matt. He would have led the Bills in sacks last year based on his stats in Carolina. Even though he he's not a young person in terms of age, he's very young in NFL terms because of his inexperience playing football. There's a lot of tread on those tires. So you, you almost have to look at the fact that he's still growing as a player and he's getting better and better. And maybe this, the stats won't be there at the end of this year compared to where he was last year in Carolina. But there's still a lot of promise there with Obadon. He's a guy that you want to have in the fold here for the, the next few years if possible. We got a chance to talk to Rousseau after the game on Zoom. Uh, they made him available quickly. And I asked him, I think I mentioned this on the, on the, on the post game show, just about like the rookie wall and like fighting through that. And, you know, you can, you look at his season and I mean, it's, it's pretty easy to see, you know, th- there was some production at the start of the season and it dropped off considerably over the course of the year. And Sean McDermott, you know, he basically mentioned as much there when he, you know, was asked about it this week uh, as well. But I asked Leslie Frazier about it because I thought it was interesting. He's a guy that has had so much experience in this league as a player, as a coach, as a head coach, and then back as a defensive coordinator at dealing with guys coming in and going through this kind of phenomenon in their first year. And Rousseau's an interesting case in that he didn't play at all last year. So you're talking about a guy coming in who skipped a whole year of football, you know, obviously was doing some training, but you can't really simulate it. And then he's coming in as the NFL unveils its new 17 game uh, season format. And you could tell that over, you know, a stretch of games, I think it kind of caught up with Russo a little bit. And he said it was like, it's been really challenging on him. Frazier told me when I asked him about this on Monday that, you know, they went back this past week. They talked to Rousseau, Boogie Basham, and A.J. Epinesa. They brought them together with Eric Washington, Jacques Chazaire, and basically said, listen, you got to continue to make sure you're taking care of your body. And just as more important as, like, you know, the physical demands of the NFL are, you know, making sure that you take the time to step back and get away from it when you do get away from the facility. That's something that I think maybe guys could get so consumed at trying to get out of a, you know, a, a funk or, you know, a, a downward trend in their season that they just engulf themselves in, in the game, the film and all this other stuff. And, and I think Frazier basically just said, it's good to just get away from it. And he said, after the game, Rousseau came over to him. They actually, obviously, you know, celebrated with some hugs because he had a big game, but those are kind of little things that, you know, if that could get Greg Rousseau kind of going a little bit here, moving into the next couple of games into the playoffs, that would be a huge deal for this Bills defense. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. Listen, you know, Rousseau, it's it's easy to, to point at the rookie wall, like you mentioned, the physical toll that this game takes on your body. The fact that he didn't play one year ago, and then you get put in, you get thrust into this uh, season where you're playing an extra game now. Uh, but there's also that mental toll that it takes on you. And, and the fact that maybe you're not producing at the rate that you thought you were, the big plays weren't there after that Kansas City Chiefs game for quite a few weeks. But to Russo's credit, even though he really hadn't had a big splash play as a pass rusher, he's been so consistent in the run game, uh, run stoppage. He's kind of been a better version of what the Bills were getting out of Shaq Lawson early in his career. And as the years went on, Lawson got better as a pass rusher, still stayed really good as a run stopper. And I think that's what they're hoping they get from Rousseau. Rousseau's a little bit ahead of him right now, in my opinion, from what they got out of Lawson. And, and obviously the physical traits point in Rousseau's direction as well, the size, the speed, the bend, uh, you name it. So I, I still I can see why it would be tough for him, Rousseau, the player, to be easily frustrated at this point and then come off this game where you get the sack. You have F.A. Obata telling him pregame, be aggressive, get after him. And then he gets that sack. Everyone's so happy for him on the sidelines. It's little victories like that that could lead to another play this week against the Jets and Zach Wilson. And then in the playoffs, you might get a splash play here or there. That's pretty much what the Bills need now. They don't, you know, they would love to have a guy like a, a T.J. Watt getting 20 plus sacks per year. But going into the playoffs, if they can just get someone that's making a splash play or two per game from that defensive front, I think they'd be content with that, with the way they're playing in the back end, with the linebackers in the secondary, with the way this offense can play. They just need a little bit from this line, and maybe it will be Rousseau who steps up. Well, it's crazy. You talk about so so much of a gap in maybe production from, from Rousseau or perceived production. He's, leaving, he's leading the team in pressures. According to Pro Football Reference, Hughes and Rousseau 
both log in at 24 press, pressures. Uh, Mario Addison in at 22 pressures. Ed Oliver at 15. AJ Epinesa at 13. And then Effie Obata at a much lower snap count in at 11. That's huge production here early on in his career. And like we could sit here and try to like, you know, project what he's going to be in year two and year three. But I think he's the kind of physical kind of anomaly that it's hard to do that because it's almost like, you know, light bulbs are probably going to go off for him every week during the season. And then you take into account he's going to get a full off season to, to work on his body. I know a lot of people have talked about, you know, him getting a little bit bigger, bulkier, that being a little bit even more difficult for offensive linemen to deal with on the edge. And then, you know, just work on his moves and work on his game. And I think we could see a completely different version of Rousseau next season. Now I want to bring up something else here. So Bruce Nolan, uh, our buddy over at uh, Buffalo Rumblings, he tweeted out something today. He said, here's A.J. Epinesa's year uh, in pressures uh, so far uh, in 2021-2022. This season, 20 pressures on 197 pass rush snaps uh, compared to last season when he had 20 pressures on 218 pass rush snaps. That was regular season and playoffs. A.J. Epinesa, Ryan, being in the group that – Leslie Fla- Frazier was talking to about the rookie wall. Are are we cool with that? I, I, I mean, I, AJ Epinesa went through a lot last season. You know, he had the complete like COVID rookie year, um, you know, didn't get a spring, got really like truncated version of training camp, no preseason. So there was a lot to go through last year, but he had a full off season to be in the program, to be in the, in the spring, full training camp preseason. Is it something that a guy in his second season that I know he drafted him in the set in the, in the second round, that's where you drafted him, but to have him be a part of that group, like with Boogie and with Greg Rousseau, I don't know. I just, I don't even know if I feel like it's troubling. It was just something where I kind of perked up a little bit. and like, I don't know if he should be in that, in that meeting. I'm okay with it. Uh, let's just call him a super rookie because it's his, his second rookie year, so to speak, uh, because you just mentioned it, Matt. It, it, even though it's year two, even though he he had a full year of playing last season, you, you're talking about someone that did not have a traditional offseason leading up to to his rookie year. Everything was over Zoom. Uh, COVID was still a mystery. So the way that they practiced, the way that they prepared, a lot of it was very different from what traditional rookies went through. There was some times where his snap counts were very limited, which it's understandable. Uh, He was, you know, being in his first year, being such an unusual season. So, yes, he has more experience, obviously, than Russo, way more than Boogie Basham, a player that's been inactive quite a few times in his rookie year in terms of NFL snaps. But I can get where Leslie Frazier is coming from just because last year was so unique and so different um, that I, I at least get where he's coming from. And I, and I like that quite a bit. Yeah. I thought this was cool from Bill's mafia North over there on YouTube. Um, you know, keeping in mind Epinesa's pressures accumulated in uh, the dolphins game. I, I think it was pro football focus that had him at nine. I'm, I'm trying to look here. I don't have that game up in front of me. Uh, but it was a crazy number of pressures. And so when you're considering that on top of the season as a whole, I think it's 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 safe to say that in year two, a second round draft pick, you want more from AJ Epinesa. I mean, just 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 think back to where people were with Cody Ford near the end of last season when he was injured in year two, uh, a, a guy that you traded up for in the second round. So I think, you know, over the course of the offseason with Mario Addison and Jerry Hughes moving on. Maybe it's it's about getting him a larger role and letting him kind of figure things out in that kind of uh, situation. But I think they need more from Epinesa. And I think, you know, as we move into the, you know, the playoffs and depending on you know, how they split this all up. And that's another thing. If you're going to get 20, 25 snaps in a playoff game, you better make the most of those 25 snaps. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And wanting more from Epinesa, there's nothing wrong with that. Every position in the NFL, patience is no longer there. You need to produce and produce early in your career or, or else the other teams are going to be looking for your replacement sooner rather than later. Just think of the expectations that we we put on Ed Oliver and Dawson Knox this year. 
Uh, this this was make or break seasons for both, and they haven't been in the league that that long now. To their credit, both have shown up in a big way, had great years respectively. But we're going to be getting to that point with AJ Epinesa next year in terms of being year three, and we need to see that jump, some kind of jump. It needs to be a sizable jump. Again, we're not talking 15, 20 <laughs> sacks, but more pass, uh, more consistent as a pass rusher, getting those pressures, uh, upping his sack total by a, a certain amount. So. Yeah, it's okay to want that, and I don't know what the answer is in terms of giving him more snaps. You have to earn those snaps, and and the Bills right now in certain times, he's been inactive. There's certain times where he hasn't played much when he has been out there. If you don't have those veterans like Addison and Hughes, someone has to play those snaps, but I just don't want the Bills handing them out to players uh, just because they're they're the ones that have been here the longest or you want still want to get a, a look at them. Bring in a veteran that's going to push him, a veteran that maybe has some pass rush production. If you, I really don't know how I feel about going back to the rookie well or going to the draft well just because uh, it usually takes them a, a year or two to develop and you already have a lot of young guys in that capacity. But you got to do something other than just hoping and, and praying that this guy is going to be the answer because that doesn't always work out. Um, what does work out is from hot to go pizza and appetizer, signature fried chicken, baby back ribs, Subs to delicious salads and brownie trays. Tops has everything you need to feed the hungriest fan this Sunday, this weekend, this week, whenever the holiday season. Is it still considered the holiday season, right? Probably not, I right? Think it's, I, no, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's okay. We're still in early January. All right. Speaking of early January, the regular season finale, let's get into this Buffalo Bills versus New York Jets game. I went back and watched uh, their game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, the Jets, feisty Jets late in the season, trying to um, spoil the party a little bit. They're going to have another chance to spoil a party on Sunday as the Bills try to win the division uh, in a week 18 matchup. I want to start with these offensive or these uh, lines for the Jets, the offensive line and defensive lines. They are beat up. They are absolutely terrible. And honestly, on both sides of the ball, there's no excuse for the Bills not to win these matchups. I mean, you're talking, you're looking at a Jets offensive line, their centers out, uh, Connor McGovern, their left tackles out and George Fant, you know, they're, they're, they're playing. I mean, you know, who's getting a lot of, uh, uh, you know, some snaps for them at this point. Remember Connor McDermott uh, from the bills uh, training camp a couple seasons ago. Yeah. I think he had a big man touchdown a couple weeks ago. I still follow him on Instagram. I think I saw that um, he's kind of factoring into the mix. Listen, it's a real miss mishmash for the Jets up front. And then you go to their defensive line. Quinton Williams is just returning off the COVID list. He's missed the last two games. Shaq Lawson was in a healthy scratch the past two games. They're talking about just moving on from him in the offseason and uh, and getting, uh, uh, I think it's like $8 million in cap uh, money they'll get by moving on from him. So he's kind of an afterthought. So, you know, this is a situation on both lines, even with Bates and Obata dealing with some injuries. This is a really advantageous matchup for the bills on both sides of the ball, get that defensive line going and protect Josh Allen. Let him kind of get going once again. Yeah. In terms of the defensive line, I, I'm really intrigued to see what Ed Oliver could do against that defensive line. I feel like Al, I know he's banged up a little bit right now, uh, but Oliver has been so good this year in terms of the first step, getting into the backfield, being so consistent as a, a rusher that way, uh, creating those pressures. And then obviously you do have the veterans, you have Hughes, you have Addis, and those are winnable battles for those guys. And you want to see more from the young guys. Like I was saying earlier, this would be another nice step for Russo if he can build upon his previous performance, get another sack in this matchup. Uh, Buffalo's offensive line, we don't know who's going to start, if it's going to be Rick Bates or if it's going to be John Feliciano, but the way that this line has been playing as of late, they should be able to keep the Jets defensive front at bay for the most part. Like you mentioned, you know, Quinton Williams coming back, Williams went healthy. Uh, he's really flashed a lot of talent and potential in his career at times, so he could be a little bit of a problem. Uh, but I really like the way that this line has been blocking as of late. Um, there's al- There always seems to be like two or three videos on Monday morning of Spencer Brown just trying to find someone to lay out in, in the game where he does his job. He looks around. He's like, all right, well, this guy next to me, I'm going to lay him out uh, because because it's just no one's coming at me right now. So he's doing his job. I thought Deion Dawkins, since coming into that game uh, where he was supposed to be emergency, I guess, option. He's been unbelievable. He's been great. And I know he was out today for a personal reason, but he's been awesome. So you have your two tackles that are playing at a high level right now. You have Mitch Morris, who he's so underappreciated. I know he's not a mauler. I know that 
based on, you know, some fans want to see this line just beat people up. That's not his style, uh, but he's just so consistent, so good. And then you're, you're getting more and more from this uh, guard position. I really feel like Daryl Williams has stepped up in the second half of the season for this team, uh, wherever they've had to put him, whether it's tackle or guard. And it, it's been a nice reminder of why the Bills paid him the, the way they did. And if whether it's Rick Bates or Feliciano, I think that they can hold uh, hold down the fort, too. So this could be an opportunity where, again, weather does not look overly promising. But I think that Josh Allen's going to have time to scan the field, find his guy. He's someone that has really frustrated uh, the Jets head coach early in his career, obviously, in the one matchup against the Jets this year. But then last year against the 49ers as well, there's just no answers that he could draw up for Josh Allen. So I, I do like this matchup quite a bit for the Bills. Yeah, so I'm looking at the weather because I did see somebody ask about that. And it, you're right. It's it's not looking promising at all. It's got like 39 degrees is the the, the forecast. And, and it, it reads like this morning, light rain, followed by a mix of rain and snow showers in the afternoon. High 39, uh, which, you know, the high of 39 makes it like uh, it's probably going to be like that slushy rain, that slippery stuff. So. You know, uh, again, it's, you know, more of, you know, the 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 dome crowd is going to be chirping once again on Sunday. I feel like there's been a lot of those Sundays over the course of the season. And listen, it's hard to argue against it. I, I'm not really in either camp. I'm not one of these people that, you know, is it, I kind of get those that kind of like preserving, you know, the uh, the elements of it going out to a December, January football game. But I also understand the other side of it. I mean, if you watch Lee, uh, Lee Smith's uh, mic'd up over with the Atlanta Falcons, they put it out today. And it was a love fest, of course. Everybody loves Lee Smith uh, in the Bills locker room. But he was talking to somebody on the sideline and be like, man, because he's playing in Atlanta now in a dome. And there was even a part where, you know, he went up to Josh Allen and says, man, I'm loving the dome. How about you? And they cut out before Josh Allen could respond. But, you know, he's somebody was asking about, man, you can, nobody can love this. And he's like, no, you don't love it. Even when you're here, you don't love it. You just learn to deal with it. And people that even the people that are here that tell you that, you know, they do love it. They're lying. Yeah, no, I agree. And listen, I'm seeing some comments in here. I could see a dome if we were a badminton team, but we're a football team. <clears throat> listen, I, I am team dome. I, I am. I am firmly planting my flag on team dome. You look at the splits and yes, it, it, it's a limited splits. Josh Allen plays better. Uh, in, he's been playing better on the road this season and obviously hasn't played in nothing but domes, but there's been better, better weather in a lot of those games on the road than there have been at home this year. Uh, he didn't p- play that well this past week, obviously against Atlanta, three interceptions. Uh, but it's not just the interceptions because tip passes do happen, things like that. He was firing the ball in those conditions and he had Stefan Diggs drop a, a touchdown that he usually catches nine times out of 10. A lot of balls bouncing off of wide receivers hands. Uh, luckily, harmlessly falling to the field in a lot of those cases. Uh, I just feel like when you have a, a top five quarterback like Josh Allen, you want to give him the best elements possible to go out there and sling the ball around. And that's what a dome or a tractable roof, to be more specific, is what I'd be looking for, uh, could do for this team. And, and for the, you know, the diehards, oh, I like being out there. Well, listen, there's a reason why some of these tickets are on sale for $6 and $8 for a week. Uh, 18 game here where you can, the Bills could clinch the division and, you know, do that for the first time in 20 plus years at home. Most fans now have 60, 65, 70 inch screen TVs and they can stay at home in the warmth uh, and they can drink a beer that doesn't cost $12 from the comfort of their own home. I'm okay with fans wanting to be comfortable at these games come December, come January. And I know the flip side to that is a, a quarterback like Tua saying, well, this offseason I need to, uh, prepare myself for playing in cold weather in December and January games. It's something that I haven't really done. Yes, that, that benefits the Bills when you go against a guy like that. But are you doing what's best for your quarterback and for your franchise? And I'm not sure that building a new stadium without some kind of retractable roof would be doing that. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. More on the Jets here. Um, one of the things that I came away impressed with was Zach Wilson. And we're not talking about a guy that is necessarily slinging it or, you know, a guy that I think teams should be uh, on notice about. But I'm seeing kind of like, you know, incremental improvement. Now, against the Bucs, he completed 57% of his passes. He doesn't have a game this season. That's his highest completion percentage in a single game this year 
is 63.3%. Listen, we know we've been down this path before. Completion percentage isn't necessarily, you know, the the uh, best way to evaluate how well a quarterback is playing. But you I mean you look at the, you know, the totals. You know, eight touchdowns on the year, eleven interceptions on the year, fifty six percent completion percentage. It looks a lot like Josh Allen's rookie year. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a couple less uh, uh, interceptions and touchdowns. But what I think you got to be excited about if you're a Jets fan is he's starting to look comfortable. And that's one of the things when I was watching him early, I came away with the most was that they don't have, they've not built around him yet. He's got a bad offensive line and it's even worse now. I mean, to have the game that they had against Tampa Bay, I think it's even more impressive because of how potentially bad this offensive line could be with some of the regular guys out of the mix, but it's just his demeanor on the field. Like there's what there's a couple of plays that I noticed where I was really impressed with where he got outside of the pocket where, you know, a lot of young quarterbacks, even Josh Allen back in 2018 will get really frantic, but he was cool, calm and collected. He, he got out to the side, almost to the sideline. He made a guy miss, kept his eyes downfield. Nothing was there. And he, he just kind of nonchalantly threw out of bounds to me that that's progress for a young quarterback to be able to understand where you are in the field, what you have to do. And he also made a couple really good throws down the seam, the middle of the field. And they got a nice little uh, burgeoning weapon, I want to say, Braxton Berrios. He looked really good against the Bucks. Yeah, and, you know, that last <clears throat> game against Tampa Bay, they did not have Elijah Moore, I believe, correct? And he's on – He's. Mm-hmm. I believe he, he could play in this game against Buffalo. He's at least on track to play against Buffalo. So there's another weapon coming into the fold. Barrios uh, has been a touchdown machine as of late, playing really good football. But Zach Wilson specifically, yes, I have, you know, I can't sit here and say I've watched every one of his games, but I've seen a lot of the highlights, the highs and the lows, so to speak. He's making better reads. He's making better decisions. He's taking what defenses are giving to him. And I think par- partially that's because of, uh, the offensive line having you know him having pressure in his face all the time he he has no other choice but to sometimes take what's giving to him given to him uh, but at the same time the wild throws are there too at times with that arm strength whether it's a downfield throw whether it's just the zip that he puts on a throw he has all the arm talent to be a very good quarterback in this league and and I, I love that you compared him to rookie Josh Allen because I'm I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to make the ascension of Josh Allen it, it's very rare that quarterbacks can go from point a of Allen to where he is now but he can still be a dangerous quarterback on a any week kind of basis so the bills aren't going to take him lightly he's a big upgrade over mike white who the bills saw in that first matchup uh when the jets were hoping that maybe this guy could kind of push wilson to be a 1a 1b type scenario and that clearly wasn't the case so it's going to be very different at that quarterback position it's going to be up to the bills though to kind of put them in a hole early maybe make Wilson uh, and the Jets one dimensional where they can kind of throw some looks at him that he's not familiar with, try to create some turnovers that way. And I have to worry about the run game while the Jets don't have an outstanding run game. Uh, the the better, the, the more you can make a team one dimensional, the sooner, the better. They got to come out and really establish physicality. The bills do because they're a team right now, the Jets who they're getting pretty cute. And, and I think that they're at that stage of the season where it's like, you know, no F's given kind of thing where, you know, they're, they're kind of dialing up some trick plays. They scored on an end around where Barrios uh, almost threw it to Zach Wilson in the back of the end zone, but he was able to just scamper in himself. So, you know, you got to be aware of that, but I think you also have to execute. You have to be fundamentally sound. You got to be focused in like this, the little cliche stuff. I mean, if you have like gaps in this game or, you know, just gaps where you're like, you know, you, you you have a couple of plays where you're not dialed in communication is off anything like that. And this is a game that, you know, the jets could take advantage of some plays and make it a little bit more interesting than it should be. I mean, this is a 17 point spread here for the bills at home. It's one where they should win by multiple scores, but it's, it's always one of those tricky games where, you know, anything can happen, especially if some turnovers come into play, uh, something like that. I want to get into before we give our predictions and I, I, we're going to get into some AFC playoff talk as well. Because uh, I think some of the in- there's some interesting matchup potential, and I want to rank them a little bit with you, Ryan, in terms of what the Bills or Bills fans should want, I guess. But Quinn and Williams versus Ed Oliver, because Quinn and Williams obviously went number three, Oliver went number nine uh, back in 2019. I feel like they've always kind of been joined together. I think it's actually Jeffrey Simmons who probably is the better conversational comparison just because the Bills could have taken Simmons. Obviously, there was character concerns there. I'm not sure that he was ever in the mix at that spot. 
But you look at Oliver and and Quinn and Williams side by side this season, and they've basically been the same. I mean, right around the same amount of pressures. I think Ed Oliver's had a, a tick few more. Quinn Williams has six sacks, two and a half for Oliver. But everywhere else you look, I mean, I think one more tackle for a loss for Oliver. You know, Oliver's been giving the Bills really good production. I think both guys could stand to improve more. But I think where they're at, I mean, they're kind of on equal ground, I guess I'd say. And I think that's fair. And, and you have to remember, there's a lot of hype around both of these players coming out. There were comparisons uh, from Matt Oliver being, you know, an undersized player to Aaron Donald. Not that they said he was going to be the same player, but he could be that game record despite being a little undersized for the position. And Quinn and Williams, man, oh man, I can't remember uh, a defensive tackle being so hyped up before uh, in at least a few years where they, they said this guy is special. And he was special in his last year in college. There's no denying that. They both started off a little bit slow. Uh, I think you saw a little bit more out of Quinn and Williams last year. But then this year, like you said, kind of neck and neck in a lot of key areas. They're both producing for their teams respectively. But they both still have some room to grow as players in, in terms of maybe meeting the hype or where some people thought they would be at this point in their careers. All right, let's get into prediction time. Uh, we won't spend too much time on this game. Like I mentioned, 17 point favorite for the Bills. Um, I don't like the weather, Ryan. And because of that, it's definitely impacting my score prediction here. I'm going to go 27 Bills, 15 Jets. I think that they get a couple field goals in this game. They're able to move the ball a little bit. I think they're going to take some chances. Bra- Braxton Berrios is a guy that I think can get in space, make some plays. I'm going to go 20. Uh, what did I say? 27, 15. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 27, yeah, 15. I, I, bills. I like that. I'm going to go bills 24, 13. Uh, I, I think that the bill and, and the reason maybe I have them at 24 is I think come fourth quarter, whether it's early in the fourth quarter, mid fourth quarter, they kind of pull some of their starters. They, they make sure that no one gets injured late in the game in, in a game where it looks like they're going to win it. Mm-hmm. So you have Trubisky out there. You have some other backups playing those those roles where you're just protecting the football, <laughs> running out the clock, so to speak. So 24-13, Josh Allen and the Bills move the ball pretty effectively early despite the weather. They build and cushion uh, enough of a lead where uh, they, they put it away a little bit early and they can rest their guys and get ready to look ahead to uh, the playoffs where they could be anywhere from the 2, 3, or 4 seed if they win this game. All right, AFC playoff time, Ryan Talbot. Let's get into it. Um, there are a bunch of different possibilities. Um, the Bills at this point, the highest that they can get is the two seed because had, if they tie with uh, the Tennessee Titans, the, the Titans uh, hold the tiebreaker with the head-to-head win. So a couple things here to start off with. Kansas City's playing against Denver. No Teddy Bridgewater. Um, I think the line is because it's in Denver. It opened at two and a half. It, last time I looked at it, it was up to 10. So if Kansas City loses and then Cincinnati is playing against the Cleveland Browns, we found out today Joe Burrow's out. Joe Minx, Mixon just got put on the COVID list. He's been ruled out. Uh, there's um, Jamar Chase may play, uh, but it looks in a lot of ways like, you know, they're, they're waving the flag a little bit uh, with, with Holden Burrow out wanting to play on the safe side. If the Bengals lose, the Bills will and the Bills win. They will pass over the Bengals. Kansas City loses to Denver a little bit less likely. The Bills could go all the way up to the two seed, uh, which will kind of play around with the different matchup possibilities. Right now, according to, I think it's ESPN's football power index, the Patriots are the most likely opponent at 33% and then 27% each for the Colts and the Las Vegas Raiders. Interesting scenarios here, Ryan. Yeah, very interesting scenarios. And, and, you know, you mentioned it, first of all, those games. It's not likely that the Chiefs lose to the Denver Broncos, especially one that's likely starting Drew Locke. Um, I know he got a little bit banged up in the last game. But, you know, four of Mahomes' eight wins over the Broncos have been within one-score games. It's on the road. Uh, Broncos, just like the Jets, it might be one of those, you know, throw the kitchen sink at them, trick plays, fake punts whatever the case may be, because what do we have to lose at this point in time? So you just never know in in week 18, in this case, what's going to happen. Uh, But more realistically, it looks like the Bills could very possibly move up to the three seed based on the fact that, like you said, Burrow out, mixing out um, some other players on the COVID list. And then the fact that they're likely to, to rest some other key starters. 
I have no problem with the Bengals approach because listen, no matter who you play in the playoffs, it's going to be a good team, Matt. And if I'm going to play a good team, I want to make sure my key guys are healthy at this point. They've obviously surpassed all preseason expectations. They're playing with house money at this point. So it really doesn't matter if they're the three or four seed in their eyes and they know they can go in and just beat about anyone the way that they came back and beat the chiefs, the way that they can put up points with that connection with burrow and chase. So it's going to be really interesting. But then in the case of the bills, you mentioned the teams that are uh, in the mix right now, Patriots, uh, Colts, and the Chargers would be in the playoffs, but it's a 50-50 shot right now with the Chargers and the Raiders. Uh, there's a scenario where if the Colts somehow lose, which, you know, never say never, uh, but it, it, unlikely again, both the Chargers and the Raiders could get in one of those weird scenarios where they tie, but going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out and what this matchup is. I'm looking at um, the odds right now and Kansas city who plays on Saturday. Mm -hmm. uh, They open as a three point favorite. Like I mentioned, they're as high up as 11 in some Vegas sports books now. So I think, you know, the money's starting to come in pretty heavily on Kansas city. We'll see if it, you know, comes down a little bit over the course of the week, but I I got the playoff simulator here and I want to talk a little bit about, who we think the the toughest matchups are for the Bills. I have a couple interesting thoughts on a lot of this, and I also want to talk a little bit about Peter King appeared on One Bills Live today, and I thought he had an interesting interview. ton of respect for Peter King, uh, but I did take some issue with some of the things that he said, but I want to get into that. We'll, we'll talk about it. So we'll set up Kansas City. Kansas City wins, right, over the Broncos. You know, I just don't trust Drew Locke. I, I think that there's a chance they're able to force some turnovers if their offense is able to do some things like you mentioned. But I, I, I'm, I feel pretty good about that. Then you got Pittsburgh with their playoff lives on the line. Likely no Lamar Jackson against Baltimore. So we'll, let's give Pittsburgh the win, right? Then let's give the Browns the win over the Bengals. I still think the Bengals can win uh, even without Burrow. But I think they have Brandon Allen playing as the yes. backup. So let's just give the Browns the win just for the, the sake of the argument. We'll give Tennessee the win over Houston. We'll give the Colts the win over the Jaguars. Here's where it gets interesting, okay? So if all those things happen, the, the Bills now sit in the three seed, right? They beat the Jets. They get the three seed. Let's say the Patriots beat the Dolphins, Dolphins, right? Which, by the way, Ryan, we can talk a little bit about this. I don't think that that's a sure thing by any stretch of the mag- imagination. In Miami, where they typically play pretty well, I think that you have a coach in Brian Flores who's going to get his guys up to play that game. It opened with two and a half. Uh, minus two and a half for New England. It's up to as high as six and a half in some sports books. So the mm-hmm. betters are going heavily on the Patriots. And, you know, it's it, there's a lot of, on the line here. So, so say the Patriots win. The Patriots then get the fifth seed. If the Raiders win, they would get the sixth seed in that scenario. And they would play the Bills, who would have the third seed. And then the Indianapolis Colts would have the seventh seed and they played the Chiefs. If the Chargers win, that pushes the, the Raiders out. Indianapolis up to the sixth seed, LA would have the seventh seed, and then the Bills would play the Colts in the first round. If the Dolphins beat the Patriots and all those things stay the same, the Chargers winning, Indianapolis goes to the five seed to play the four seed Cincinnati Bengals, New England at the sixth seed plays the, the Bills, and then LA. If the Raiders win that game, I'm getting all over the place here, Ryan. They get, they get the fifth seed, Ryan. If the Raiders win in this scenario where the Dolphins win, then the Raiders play the Bengals, potentially Cincinnati. Let's give Cincinnati the, the win over the Browns. That would flip them. That would be the Bills at the four seed against the five seed Raiders. Indy versus Cincy, New England versus Kansas City, 7-2. So many options. Let me just throw this option out here, or this question to you right here. Who do you want the Bills, would you say the Bills least want to play in the playoffs round one? Well, first of all, I feel like that uh, GIF or the GIF of that person looking at all those math numbers like in front of their face and they're like stunned. You just threw so many scenarios at me there, Mr. Perino. Uh, (laughs) Of all the wild card teams that they could face, I think the obvious answer is the Colts. And listen, I get it. Carson Wentz is not that much of a threat uh, to hurt you compared to a Justin Herbert, obviously, who uh, can make every single throw under the sun. But they have Jonathan Taylor, who carved up the Bills in the previous matchup, a, a team that they'd be coming into Buffalo where we don't know what the elements would look like in that game, but it might favor 
the the team that has the better run game. There's no doubt, even though Singletary's running a lot better, you have Josh Allen who can run the ball. Moss has been looking okay uh, this past week. There's no doubt that Jonathan Taylor's the best option. And then, oh, by the way, they have Naheem Hines, and they have other backs that can run the ball pretty effectively. Um, so that's the one matchup that I, you, you know you would like to see the Bills avoid, in my opinion. But at the same time, uh, the Bills can't sit there like the Bengals and be like, yeah, I don't care if I'm the three seed or the four seed. The Bills have to win this game to win the AFC East. The, you know, you're leaving it in Miami's hands if you lose, which you don't want to do. So they have to take care of their own business, and they can't really worry about how the other seedings are going to fall here. Uh, but in my opinion, it's definitely the Colts. Do you have a different answer? Or are you are you going to go with the Colts as well? So I'm going to go with the Colts because I think that they have the best combination of defense and weapon in in Jonathan Taylor and what they're able to do defensively. But I, it comes with a bit of a caveat here because I think, number one, it's so tough to beat the same team two times in one season. We saw this Bills team, I think, just come out and have their worst performance of the season in week 11 against the Colts. couple factors at play here. Number one, I'd love to see Carson Wentz in the playoffs. I, 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 if I'm a opposing team's defensive coordinator, if I'm Leslie Frazier and I know that my team is plus eight in the turnover differential this season, I know the Colts are, are even better than that. I think they're like plus 16 or plus 15. But give me those odds against Carson Wentz in the playoffs against Jonathan Taylor, who, Ryan, this dude has been absolutely a tank this season. He's been great. He, I mean, last season or last week, Let's see here. 108 yards on 20 carries, a touchdown. His season this year, 1,734 yards, 18 touchdowns, and then he's got 342 and two touchdowns receiving. He's been a beast, but 317 carries. In year two, we talk so much about preserving your body and and, and going through an NFL season. I find it hard to believe that once week 18, it goes by, they got to go in there and win. I mean, the Colts have not secured a playoff spot yet. If they lose on Sunday against the Jags, very unlikely, but they'll be out of the playoffs. So they got to go in there and they got to play to win. So you're probably looking at another 20 to 30 carries for Jonathan Taylor. He's going to go into the playoffs close to 350 carries on the season. I don't think that's the same Jonathan Taylor that run that ran for four touchdowns in week 11 against the Bills. I don't think he physically can be that same guy. Their offensive line is still really good. I think it's a tough matchup. I love the matchup against the Patriots just because you're going up against Mac Jones, a rookie quarterback in the playoffs. Uh, so I wouldn't, I, I'd rather face the, the Patriots and that rookie quarterback. But at the same time, Ryan, it's, I got, I kind of got the two weights teetering back and forth here because you also got Bill Belichick against Josh Allen a third time this season for a chance to dive into that tape from week 16 and make adjustments for Bill Belichick. I don't know if I'm, thrilled about that i think we could both agree though that the the matchup you want the most is a a raiders team that's been just ravaged by nonsense all season long like headlines issues obviously the whole gruden situation henry rugg situation they've had some injuries but they're still here and they have a chance to beat the raiders at home or the Chargers at home on monday night football sunday night football and uh get get a playoff spot yeah, you know, they're an intriguing team if you're hosting them in the playoffs. They're they're another team that would be a uh, West Coast team, warmer weather team coming to uh, obviously well dome team, uh coming to Buffalo to play very cold weather, frigid game, a team where, you know, you have to know where Hunter Renfro is at all times. Uh, they have talent at running back, they have talent at tight end. There's no shortage of talent on that offense, but they've been very up and down this season, kind of like the Bills. On a week-to-week basis, you didn't know what you were going to get from this team. Uh, to their credit, they they defeated the Colts last week. They've they put some together some big wins when they've needed them. But of the teams that they could possibly play, yeah, I think the Raiders would be a, a good one. I think that they match up pretty well with them. The Patriots, we already know what Mac Jones was like in a 55 like a game when they're 55 mile an hour wind gusts, but this is going to be a early January game. Maybe you're not going to have those wind gusts, but you're going to have such a cold, cold atmosphere that I think that he could be pretty ineffective. But you mentioned it. Bill Belichick is still a coach that you worry about in terms of what he's going to drop, how he's going to play Josh Allen, what he's going to try to do to him. 
uh, in that game where you'd have a little bit of concern. But yeah, in my opinion, it's it's the Patriots or the Raiders, the teams that you would like to face. Uh, but like I said earlier, you're going to play good team after good team. So, you know, whoever you play the first game, you're going to have another good team waiting for you in the second one. If you win that and the, and the beat goes on, whether you're talking wild card weekend or the Super Bowl, there's going to be some good teams standing in your way. So I think we're all on the same page. It's interesting enough, Ryan. I think we talked about this on the show the other day. You know, there's a scenario that could play out that, you know, if, the, if Indianapolis is really the team that some people think they are. And I've been having this back and forth with uh, a dude over on Twitter. Uh, I'm going to butcher his his handle, so I won't even try. But you could find it. Usually every week he, he finds a way to tweet at me or I tweeted him. After the, the Colts game, I, I downplayed, you know, the, the Colts as a legit um, powerhouse. That's all. I think they're a good team. I think there's a top two or three team in the um, AFC, but he, he's been on this for weeks. They call him a juggernaut. And I, you know, they lost last week and I'm like, are we still on this? Are we still calling the Colts a juggernaut behind Carson Wentz and a running back that they need to go off for them to be competitive? I like a lot of things about the Colts, but I, I think they're a far cry from a juggernaut. But if they are that let's, let's, let's give the benefit of the doubt and the Colts make a run in the playoffs. You could start with the Patriots who you lost to in week 13. Then you could travel on the road to Tennessee, who you lost to in week six. And then if the Colts somehow knock off maybe the Chiefs, maybe another matchup in there, who knows? It could be Bills hosting the AFC title game against the Indianapolis Colts, who they lost to in week um, 11. Talk about, I, I think somebody tweeted it out when I, when I tweeted out the other day, redemption tour. You can't write it up any better. The only cooler, the only way to kind of, put a bow on that type of run would be against Tampa Bay and Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Although with what they're going through injury wise and Antonio Brown wise, it's, it could be an issue for them to try to get to uh, back to the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, and I love the the path of redemption because you, like I just said, you, whoever's put in front of you, you got to win those games. There's going to be some tough matchups no matter what, but you'd like to put some of those heartbreaking losses in, in the, the, the past, so to speak, you know, obviously they already beat new England once to make up for that earlier loss with the wind. Uh, but to be able to beat them two out of three times in a season, really quiet down that fan base that even after the bills won that game and took over, the driver's seat in the AFCs, they were still chirping quite a bit. They're a very uh, overconfident fan base. I think they still think that Brady is going to show up on a random Sunday and, and, and play for them or something. I don't know what's going on there, but beat them again. The Titans, was it was just a close game at the end where Josh Allen was having his way against that defense. Didn't get that fourth and inches or the fourth and one QB sneak. He slipped offensive line, got pushed back. It was a... Uh, disaster from the get-go, but that's a winnable game. And like you said, if you can get to the Super Bowl and play a team like the Buccaneers that you had on the ropes that you'd like to be able to beat, uh, that, that'd be a phenomenal story. And, and like you said, listen, it's going to get a lot harder for uh, Tampa Bay. They already lost Godwin, you know, Antonio Brown. Uh, I don't think he was released again today by the team, but he's not going to be suiting up for them. Yeah, they might, they might just decide to better to hold on, on the roster. Him, yeah, yeah. Then let him go to a potential playoff team in the NFC or Super Bowl contender in the AFC. Right. Yeah. And, and it's smart, uh, but it's going to be a lot harder for them this year as well. But, you know, you can never count out Tom Brady either <clears throat> for, for any stretch of the imagination. So if the bills can get rolling here, if they can keep this hot streak going to end the regular season, they'll go into the playoffs on, on quite the win streak. And then it's just, like I said, every team in the playoffs, it's house money. It's winner go home. Uh, it just takes the right team to get hot at the right time. We saw it years ago with the a Ravens team that was not the best team in the playoffs that year, but they got hot at the right time. That could easily be Buffalo starting next weekend, uh, regardless of who they play, what time they play, what day they play. So I want to get into the Peter King interview on One Bills Live real quick, because I think it's kind of a microcosm of some of the national stuff that comes out that I think fires up Bills fans. And I think it's, listen, you got to take it all with a grain of salt. You know, Peter King is one of the busiest people in sports media. I do not know how some of these folks that cover the league on a national scale are able to be as plugged in as they are 
most of the time. But I thought, you know, Peter was a little bit unplugged from the Bills situation uh, uh, during this radio hit. And listen, they're going into the playoffs potentially at 11 and 6. This is not where I think most people thought the Bills were going to be on the heels of a 13 and 3 season. They've had some stinkers. I mean, the Jags game getting smashed by the Colts. It, it's not been good at all, at all times. But, you know, Peter King was asked about where the Bills are at heading into the playoffs. And he said, well, he, he kind of made it seem like the Bills are kind of limping into it. Uh, hasn't liked how they played down the stretch. And I kind of was like waiting for him to kind of use an example, maybe something from Tampa Bay or uh, something from Carolina or Atlanta. And he went back all the way back to week 11 to the Indianapolis Colts game. And so I think that actually what's happening is the Bills have played 14 quarters now of pretty like good football that I think you could put up against any other team in the league in terms of how well they're playing, how well they're executing, how well they're scoring. Um, and I also took issue with, some comments on Joe Burrow and company. Joe Burrow has been spectacular. Do not get it twisted. I am a huge Jamar Chase fan. I am driving the bus for Jamar Chase, rookie of the year, uh, the bus uh, for that. He's been absolutely phenomenal. Hello, my darling. Say hello. What do you got there? A new toothbrush. What is it? New toothbrush. What kind of toothbrush did I get for you? Uh, Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh. I love that one. I love you. All right, go get it up. Go get ready. I'll brush your teeth when I come up. I'm almost done. Okay. So Joe Burrow has been great. And the stats that he's putting up, he's, in my opinion, top five MVP conversation, no doubt about it. But let's slow things down a little bit. Peter King's picking him. The Cincinnati Bengals come out of the AFC. More power to him. If he, if he thinks that, it's, it's great. I just think that we're definitely overlooking the, the, the potential defensive matchups that Joe Burrow is going to face in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He's potentially going to have to go against Spagnolo and the Kansas City Chiefs at some point. You go up against the Bills. We know what Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier have done to young quarterbacks, especially in this kind of set, setting where they have, where Burrow has had no previous experience against McDermott or Leslie Frazier's defense and what they're able to do to disguise. Potentially Bill Belichick's defense, uh, if they got to go up against them. And then if, if it's the Chargers, uh, it could be a, another, you know, a shootout between him and, and, and Justin Herbert. And I'm not willing to say that Justin Herbert can't show up to the gunfight and, and, and land a couple more shots. So I think we just need to slow it down a little bit and have a little perspective. You know, I, I'm definitely not at the, and, and maybe you disagree with me. Maybe you think that the Cincinnati, break out it we're about to experience it but i think that there's some potential humble pie waiting for mr burrow in the playoffs and that's fair listen i just i've I've said it before i'll say it again you don't know how things are going to shake out in the playoffs i I love this Bengals team in terms of their young talent uh with burrow and mixon's not as young but the fact that they have chase and boyd and, and uh t higgins who has been a steal for them they they can go toe to toe with any of these teams they just defeated the chiefs uh, a week ago but it'll be hard to beat them again it would be hard to go against belichick cuz belichick's really good at those things um if you it, you know if the colts go on some kind of run and they somehow meet each other and i'm going way down the road here jonathan taylor time of possession you just never know so uh, as good as they're playing right now is the recency bias that Peter King showed them based on this one win, though. It's kind of funny saying, oh, I'm going with them to win it all. Well, the Bills beat that Chiefs team, too. It's just it wasn't in week 17. And for him to go back to that, the the Bills uh, struggling against Indianapolis, that kind of like you said, he's a very busy man. Uh, much respect to Peter King. Uh, but this Bills team put away a Carolina Panthers team. They got their revenge on the Patriots. They won last week despite Josh Allen throwing three interceptions. I, I get that they're not playing A-plus ball in all three phases of the game, but they're doing what needs to be done. They're one game away from entering a four-game win streak into the playoffs, which is what you want. You want to go in hot at the right time. Uh, there's the whole case of Burrow not playing, going back to the Bengals one more time in, in Week 18, Mixon being out. There's something to be said about teams that have rested starters or starters who have missed time because of injuries or in Mixon's case, COVID, where they come out and they're really rusty in that first game and they get behind the eight ball and they can't do anything. So as much as I like the Bengals, I think this AFC is so wide open, Matt. I can't sit here and pinpoint one team that says that and say this is the favorite because the Chiefs, as good as they've been the last few years, they've lost to a lot of these teams that are in the playoffs with them in the AFC this year. The Bills have had their highs and lows. The Colts have had their highs and lows. There is no one dominant powerhouse. It just kind of speaks to the parity of the AFC this year. 
this weekend, uh, if you're going to the game, if you're hosting a large party at home, check out Topps' huge selection of party platters for a delicious, effortless, and affordable, no-stress way to impress. For complete details, stop by their carryout cafe or visit topsmarkets.com slash fantasyfoodball. Ryan Talbot, hit us with your final thought. Maybe it could be long-term. This was a good question in here. Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert? Who are you taking? I almost feel like the Chargers franchise is cursed because I love Justin Herbert, but then they have these stinkers. Uh, But if I'm just going quarterback, talent, potential, ceiling, I will go with Herbert over Burrow as much as I love the game of Joe Burrow. Uh, there's the the knee issues, you know. You obviously get hurt last year. Um, you're just one or any quarterbacks one or two shots away. But that's so young in his career to have those issues. It's something to keep an eye on. Uh, I'll go Justin Herbert in this case. What about you? I'll go Joe Burrow. Um, it's very close. The same way I like so much about Justin Herbert. But there's a swag to Burrow that I've been kind of you know, uh, infatuated with since the, the LSU days. I mean, the, the, the famous, uh, stogie picture after winning the national title game, you see the videos coming out after they clinched the division. He's just like a swaggy dude. I don't know if if I was a fan, uh, I I would kind of gravitate to that guy. He makes big time plays. I love the connection. You know, Keenan Allen is a great, great player, but he's getting older. You know what I mean? And so, I like the pairing of a young Joe Burrow with a very young, super talented, maybe already in the conversation as a top three or five wide receiver in the NFL in Jamar Chase. So give me, give me Joey Burrow and and we'll go from there. All right. Buffalo Bills fans. Thank you so much for all of your support as always. Like I said, hit that like and subscribe before you go. We'll see you on Sunday post game. We'll pretty much know. uh, We won't pretty much know. We'll have a good idea of who the Bills uh, opponent is going to be and who knows maybe you can cheer for something on Sunday Night Football if it's if it's the uh, a situation where the Bills can play the Raiders <laughs> I guess in the first round but we'll get into all of it the potential matchups start to look ahead uh, I'm starting to kind of brainstorm some guest ideas for next week if you have any DM me um, put it in the comment section I'm always checking the comments on YouTube uh, we appreciate all of you for Ryan Talbot I'm Matt Perino we will see you on Sunday take care everybody Out, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.